We have a walking podcast today, so if there's a little rustling in the background, that's why. But it's been a while since I've come on. I've been pretty buried in crypto. Haven't done a lot in the stock market, a little bit, mostly crypto. It's been a kind of a futures trading last two weeks with the volatility. And I actually haven't done much of that either, which is surprising because that's kind of my original skill set. But I find myself more drawn to studying bigger picture things and trading almost more as a position trader. But there's a real important lesson I got I learned uh, this week, which I'm going to pass it on. I think you need to have these seared into your bones to really learn them, but it's I think it's worth sharing. So I've worked really hard the last two or three years to lengthen my time frame and kind of add a new skill set and spent a lot of up and downs and spent tough, but I've had some really good progress and some good trades. So the situation I got myself stuck in a little bit is I made really good entries on um, Coinbase, Ethereum, um, a bunch of stuff, similar stuff. And I traded it much larger than I usually do because I had a lot of conviction and I entered on some stupid news stuff, which is my favorite way to enter that on that China FUD. And then it worked out really well. And I didn't take much off because I thought I had a lot more to go. But what I didn't take into account is I'm almost kind of an investor in some of this stuff, but I'm also, a, a, I have to be a trader also because I put it on so much larger than normal, like three times larger and it worked out, but I became a victim of my own success because now when we pulled back, I hadn't taken much off. So now I, I still have, there's still really good trades from where I entered, but they've come back like 50% or more. Some of them are back like 30%. Some of them are back like 60%. And um, so I'm in this position of having good trades on and having them on, having them on big, excuse me, but have not managed them. Like during the day when I was trading um, futures for most of my career, I would always address this pretty easily because it was just click in, click out during the day and go home flat. But it, it's been an adjustment for me because now I've, I've gotten better at going bigger at the right times. I got really good at my entries. I, I, I saw things ahead of time. And so that's great. But then this, this idea of like, oh, I really like this stuff. I think it's going to move for, you know, potentially 18 months or more. Well, that's a big step for me. And then in the meantime, it's kind of baked into this stupid news trade, which they're often last me a few months. So that was like, that was what worked. It was two or three months. I was looking at 50 to 80% gains on a lot of this stuff and on, on big size, which is great. But then all of a sudden I let it come back and I didn't really worry about it as much because I thought, oh, this has a long runway. I don't need to worry about it. But then now I'm in a tough position. Do I cut back here after I missed the top or do I, if it goes down more, I don't have that much room to buy more. And then I threatened the whole trade. So it's interesting that even if you think you're in something longer, if you trade it bigger, you by default have to be a trader also. You can't be like, you can't be an investor with big size because emotionally it won't work. So in, uh, this is like, really buddy, you've been trading 18 years and, or 20 years or whatever and longer if I consider before I was a like an actual professional trader with a firm. It's like, thanks for the advice, dipshit. If it... You know, you can't have big trades and watch them come back. And it's funny because it's so obvious, but yet I, it trapped me again because my time frames are different than they used to be. And I got sucked into not thinking about how it would feel to have that come back. So now I'm analyzing all this stuff about how, you know, we've already come off a lot in crypto and there's regulation fear baked in. There's Fed fear priced and baked in a lot of it, maybe not all of it, hard to say what they're going to do. But so we have a lot of that in. We have a wall of worry. Markets love to rally on a wall of worry. So do you want to lighten up into the wall of worry after a 35, 40% decline? That doesn't seem very smart. But if you're trading too big and you can't buy more when it goes down or you can't maneuver, then you kind of have to do it. So you have to do it now, not later when it's too late. So it's this interesting dilemma that I'm going to have to pick through here. I think I'm going to have to do a little bit of a hybrid approach is what I always do, which is you lighten up a little bit and then 
you say, shit, I messed up and I didn't do the best job managing my winner. And I got one side right, but I didn't do the other side so well. And it's, you know, I can beat myself up a little bit about it, but it makes me feel kind of stupid. But um, I'm not stupid. I mean, I have, I was early and smart with a lot of my entries, but I just got a little caught up in, I got complacent really is what happened. And I think a lot of it is because it's, it had worked out so well and got calm and I got complacent. And so now I have to kind of figure out from here, which I'm probably going to take the middle road and do a little bit of both because I don't know which one is going to make more sense. So I just wanted to bring that up to really think about when stuff's going well for you. Not going well. Well, when stuff's going well for many weeks or months, that's like a good streak is different. It's the same thinking, but I'm more talking about when you're in a good trade and maybe you're in a little bigger or it's really going well and you feel that comfort and that, that, that relaxing stuff kind of slips into you. You stop looking for when you can't find reasons for your stuff to go down, that's probably when it's going to go down. And which is why I think right now there's a lot of reasons for the market to go down. So it might not go down as much as everyone thinks at this point, but we'll see. I mean, this is a big deal. This macro stuff this week is nothing new happened, but there's an acknowledgement of it now. So there's actually, you know, a potential policy movement coming and I don't know. I'm not trying to predict. Maybe it's already priced in. I don't know. No one really knows. Actually. I don't talk about macro that much unless it's stupid news because there's no edge talking about something that everyone else is talking about. So that's kind of, kind of where I'm sitting right now. And I just wanted to share this with everybody because I think that, um, you know, when you, when you own up to it and share it, it's just easier for everyone else to process it and, and understand it themselves. They're going to have the same thing happen. And, and it just happens. It's, it's not, it's a tough spot right now. It's a, it's kind of no man's land. I feel like if you're on the sidelines and if you're in something that was good um, and you didn't, I'm more talking about crypto here, not as much the stock market it could be slightly different. Um, but largely similar when things sell off they tend to move together even if you like it or not and it could decouple at some point but we'll see that in the price action if it happens there's been glimmers of it stocks versus cryptos this year where cryptos kind of decoupled and stayed stronger than they have in the past the other thing to mention about cryptos is there's a lot of uh, DeFi protocols that are full of leverage so people are borrowing against the cryptos depositing ethereum bitcoin using the collateral as you can borrow against that at a certain loan to value ratio so you could say hey i'm going to put in my my ethereum and I'm going to borrow 60% of it, of it for, you know, UST stable coin. And I'm going to go gamble on other protocols or other outright coins. And then what happens when the market flash crashes, the computer automatically liquidates you. So you get those like super big spikes down that people don't understand. And they come right back up at the end of the tail end of the move down. So I think a lot of times the market is sniffing and hunting for that leverage. So that's, that's a, that's one of the dynamics that's going on right now in, in these markets. So is that, enough did they flush it out is there more to come I, I don't i'm not really sure so all that kind of plays into it and i like to think about what you know i like to look at the big twitter followers too and say okay this person these people with hundreds of thousands of followers when they tell me they're in cash um oftentimes it means that we're done going down even though a lot of people think that that means we should be worried because when you have that many followers and you've already made the move it's, it means you already sold and there's probably already fear in the market so I've, I've seen some of that but it is tough to tell here so I don't know if the direction of the market really matters that much for the decision-making I have to do because my size is pretty large and I've had my trade come back um, to kind of like to an uncomfortable amount and messed up a little bit. So that's that. The other thing, um, I'm kicking around the idea of starting a paid version of the podcast where I would go into stuff like this more, but probably even a little deeper. It's, it wouldn't be like buy here, sell there. Um, it would be more hey, I'm looking at these ideas. I really like this group of things. It could be a stock. It could be crypto. And, you know, there's, 
identifying stupid news, identifying time zones when I'm going to look to buy it and other times where it's euphoric and I'm looking to sell it and going through the thinking process of how to manage some of the stuff and then reflecting on how I managed it and how I could do it better. So it would be kind of, it'd be a lot of like that mixed with how I'm spending my time studying, what I'm looking at, what I'm studying, what I'm thinking about, um, just emptying my brain out, brain out more on, on that. So I don't know if people are interested in that or not. You can email me if you are. I'm just... You know, I'm a little leery sometimes of being on the hook to produce something. Um, you know, I have my wife and other people and friends telling me this is a no-brainer for me to do because this is all I've been doing, you know, for a lot of my life. I should just be sharing it and, and charging for it. Um, it's not selling a service as much as just selling my, my, my workflow and my brain and my, you know, and people can say, well, that strategy is not for me. I'd have to articulate too, like, this is what I'm trying to do. This is my general strategy because some people are going to be away shorter term. Some people are longer term, but I think in general, people do benefit from the idea of accumulating things on stupid news on, on building kind of a, you don't have to go super deep on everything, but you need to go, at least for me, this is so different for everybody. I like to go to that 80, 85% level pretty quickly if I can. And that helps me, um, that helps me figure out kind of what I need to do. I don't want to go down the rabbit hole for, for six months and study something because that, that soaks up a lot of my time that, and I just get, then you get indecisive and it's too much. So there's that sweet spot. Um, you know, when I was trading during the day, I actually traded very similar to this, more of a longer term day trading approach with, um, sometimes I would just trade volatility, like what would have been the last couple of weeks, uh, headlines, fed stuff, people being stuck, things like that. But, um, to get me to the next level and to move more money and to really grow, I think the, the, the position trading thing is going to be better unless we go into, you know, a war with China or coronavirus part two, whole world falls apart. You know, stuff like that is worth short-term trading because the moves are so big. But um, so that, that, that in keeping in mind what I would be talking about if it was a paid podcast and I would still do this one, just talking about lifestyle stuff, but that would be more the approach. It's like, okay, here's how I'm trying to build myself. Here's what I'm thinking about. Um, and it would just be like, I send so many WhatsApp messages to friends and I have so many people I talk to and it would just be disseminating a lot of information to people who are, who are paying for the podcast, who just can chew on that information, learn from it, grow from it, um, ask questions about it and integrate it into their approach. So that, that's kind of how I would do it. And I like voice, so it'd probably be voice and perhaps later, um, it would be nice to have a, a sheet, like a PDF of, Hey, here's the links or here's what was talked about or here's a chart. So it'd probably be like pause, look at the chart, restart it and follow along that way at first, because if it's something that I'm creating a big written um, PDF type deal, I would probably get annoyed and just stop doing it because I want to do something that's, that's sustainable for me to do where I put out good stuff and I'm honest and truthful, but I'm not feeling bogged down and guilted into doing it. So, and then the reason it would be paid and not free is because I believe there has to be a good exchange of value for everything you do or else it's just not worth doing for anybody. Everything needs to be equitable and exchanged. And I think people value stuff more when they pay for it. So I'm not doing this for sure. I'm just kicking it around. So uh, yeah, email me if, um, if you want me to do it or you'd be interested in doing it. And I'll see what kind of response I get and um, come, come back at it later. But anyways, uh, I just wanted to show the lesson on my sizing and what, I ha what happened to me today.